There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you were looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen in for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hello, this is Chris Cooper and a big welcome to the Business Elevation Show. Great to be back with you uh, for another week. And uh, I had some feedback that I don't always... uh, introduce myself on the show well I don't tend to actually I just get on and on with it really um but just to say that the business elevation show we've been running for nearly 11 years so today's interview is the 461st with Dr Stephen Levinson I'm very very excited about it Uh, my purpose in life is helping others to realize more of their potential with themselves with their businesses Uh, and I, I help leaders to develop themselves their people and to build highly engaged um brilliant uh cultures um, I also host um, the Elevation Collective, which is uh, uh, kind of masterminds of uh, amazing kind of thought thought leaders. Uh, and uh, I've, I've written a couple of books. One of them um, co-hosted with Dr. Stephen Levinson, which is the co-written on the power to get things done, whether you feel like it or not. And this show really is all about, it's about elevating your, your thinking, um, elevating your, your behavior uh, to enable you to build, um, you know, wonderful businesses and uh, wonderful lives that really contribute and make a positive contribution to those around you. I do believe in you know, people, planet, and profit uh, being important. And I do believe that you can be a nice person, a good person in business, uh, and uh, contribute uh, to uh, an improved world uh, rather than uh, you know, causing uh, damage and uh, to people mentally, physically, causing damage through uh, you know, overgrowing and et cetera. But I do believe you can be a, you know, a wonderful leader, a heartfelt leader, and uh, make a really positive difference through business. Um, so that's really the, the aim of this show is to, to get us to think in that kind of way and look at different topics and subjects that can help us become better people and better business people and contribute to a better world. So uh, last week, we had somebody who does just that. We have Paul Hargreaves. We talked about his latest book, The Fourth Bottom Line. Uh, Paul is a, a B Corp ambassador. He's the, uh, the founder of Cotswold Fair, which uh, provides uh, 750 retail outlets with uh, lovely organic food and different types of food stuff. And they've got their own uh, big retail outlet with 50 people. And he's, he's written some amazing books. It's all very heartfelt stuff. And we looked at... Uh, the book, which I, I really like because there's 50 behaviors in there for uh, that's that he's identified in terms of great leaders. And you can, it's only two pages each, and then you just meditate on them or you journal on them once you've read them and uh, just helps you to instill these really good behaviors. So talking about behavior, we're going to talk about um, building your power to get things done in 2022 and beyond. And this is really uh, something, a show that I've been really looking forward to because I get to, to talk to my, my good friend, uh, Dr. Stephen Levinson, um, who I co-authored the book, The Power to Get Things Done, Whether You Feel Like It or Not, which was launched in December of 2015. Now, getting things done is a superpower that for most of us requires learning and discipline practice. There's a few people who have the ability just to get on and do make happen but the vast vast majority of us need to kind of work on this and this ability to keep moving forward when life's roadblocks that get in the way is really important i think 
And I've had an unusually disrupted year this year with two, two major surgeries. I'm getting well now. I'm firing back on all cylinders. Uh, and this conversation, though, is, is perfect for me because um, it will have me thinking, too, about what do I need to focus on in terms of my intentions? What do I need to move forward? Now I'm back and back on it again. Now, Dr. Stephen Levinson, he's a clinical psychologist. He's a multiple author. He's an inventor. He invented uh, a, an amazing device, ingenious device called the Motivator, which, Motivator, which tens of thousands of people have used in over 50 countries to help them with their own behavior, thinking, and habits. And as I mentioned, back in 2015, we co-authored this book. Much of his career he spent helping people uh, to follow through on their good intentions, originally in a medical setting and then in a business setting. Um, and he's, a, he's just a really lovely, lovely, inspiring individual. And um, therefore, today, I wanted to catch up with Stephen, have a think about what he has um, picked up and learned in the, the six years since our book was, uh, was launched, uh, and uh, reinvigorate our energy and our ability to move initiatives forward in today's challenging world, and hopefully in doing that, contribute to a better one. So a huge welcome uh, to my friend, to my uh, co-author, Dr. Stephen Levinson. Well, thank you, Chris. It's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, it's great great to be back with you again, Stephen. Uh, we should just um, we just say, I think um, it was January 2016 since you last appeared on the show. I can't quite believe it. I To me, it feels like it was about three weeks ago. I know. So time especially especially during the covid pandemic has been a very strange it's always been strange but it's been particularly strange the last couple of years it hasn't does it just speed up when you get older too i don't know <laughs> it, uh, it, it does kind of speed up and, and then there are moments that go very very slowly so it's yeah. it's a very unpredictable thing the flow the flow of time subjectively bears no resemblance to the flow of time objectively on the clock no, it, it, no, it doesn't, does it? And how interesting, how, you know, how you live in Minnesota. I'm not, yes. I'm not, I've not visited your home, but I'm imagining um, Minnesota to be quite a beautiful part of the world. I mean, how's life been for you in Minnesota since we last spoke? Life, life has been good. I live in a very rural area, very sparsely populated, nature all around, wildlife uh, right outside our door. Um, so we haven't been uh, as badly affected by by COVID and all of the re restrictions, necessary restrictions and so on, as many other people, because we, we kind of lived this way before. We're mm -hmm. somewhat somewhat uh, like hermits. Um, yeah. And uh, so it, it hasn't been as much of an adjustment for us. It's still been strange, but it hasn't been quite as much of an adjustment. Yes, and somewhat you, you, you've been quite blessed really to be in that rural setting and enjoy your enjoy your surroundings and you've got a natural sense of isolation I guess and yeah yeah did you find yourself um yearning for for people or did you become more kind of you know into your into your own little world during the the, the pandemic and the lockdown well I think I think both at the same time if that makes any sense uh we actually enjoyed our solitude more than ever um, but occasionally we've, we felt a, a need to be with people and, and thank goodness for, for Zoom, which yeah. never really appreciated quite as much before. Yeah, we all, we all got to, to learn how to, to use it, didn't we, in these, these online, yeah. online tools. Yeah. And I, 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 you know, I remember when I was about 21 going to Australia and 
I think I spoke to my parents in three months. I think we maybe managed about three calls because it was so expensive. Uh (laughs) And and I do it from a phone box somewhere. Uh, And it's just amazing, isn't it? It is. It really is. Yeah, how technology, you're not far away. And we could, during the pandemic, we could still talk to people, you know, our loved ones on a daily basis if we wanted to. It's been fantastic for um, grandparents. I mean, we've we've spent most of our time, our, our grandchildren are quite young, and for a good portion of, of their lives, um, we've, we've visited with them primarily virtually and very infrequently physically. And it's actually... It's pretty darn good, and um, and I think they find it satisfying also that they the relationship that they have with us um, is just continuous. It makes no difference whether it's virtual or or live in person. Uh, it just continues and grows and builds. Uh, so it's it's been really it's it's been a blessing. Well, I, I was just thinking the other day actually that you know I have some, some of my people that I would call really really good friends. I've never, and I've got a close relationship with, and uh, I've never actually ever been in the same room as. I've never met them physically. Uh-huh. <laughs> but for years now, I've been connecting, talking to them via Zoom, particularly particularly friends in different parts of the world who I've met through through work and these interviews. Um, but it is possible still to have a, a close friendship with people. It, it is. It really is. Um, and it's surprising. I don't think I don't think most of us expected that. We we thought there was a bigger difference between, you know, b- being with someone in person and being with them virtually. But I think the difference uh, has turned out to be much smaller than we than we assumed. I mean, I mean, it's something different when you do get into a space with people, though, isn't there? It's a, it is it is different, and it's uh, it's it, it is it is lovely lovely when you do it. Um, oh oh yes. Yes, but it's but it's not the case that um, you know that just being with people virtually is uh, is nothing. It, it's it's plenty. Maybe it's maybe it's seventy five percent of uh, of what being with them in person is. But seventy five percent is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. And I'm kind of intrigued because you've got a you've got a, a background. You spent many years working in in a medical setting. And helping people with 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 you know kind of obesity issues, smoking issues, those sorts of things. I'm and I'm intrigued to know what you know during this period. What have you experienced and seen in terms of people's habits and and well being uh, as a consequence of the the pandemic and maybe you know the current uh, world economic situation? What are you, what are you experiencing? I think I think people have become. Um more reflective. Obviously, they've had more time to reflect on uh, who they are, who they want to be, um, the things they wish they had accomplished, the things that they're hoping to accomplish in the future. Uh, they're just generally more inwardly directed. And, um, and I think they've, they've sorted things out and have concluded that some things they thought were extremely important are not so important, and other things that were not so important to them really should be moved up the list of priorities. So, mm-hmm. so I think there's been a um, uh, just kind of an examination and a and a, a, a reclassifying of of priorities. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that too. The, def, definitely, but what I've also seen with uh, with the clients that I have worked with during this sort of period, I've seen I see a lot more I see a lot more anxiety 
Uh, I've seen a lot more kind of negative self-talk. I've seen more, you know, people with relationship issues. And uh, so I've seen, I've certainly seen more than I've ever seen in my career, um, the need to support people and help them patch themselves up. Even at, you know, in my work, which is working in companies, um, mm-hmm. but a lot of people with a lot of challenges. Um, and of course, now we've had people got used to working from home as well. And uh, there's that kind of work-life sort of balance thing going on. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I really did notice a difference. I think, I think so. I think that, there, first, first of all, people are, um, they have less contact with many people, but they have more intensive, more extensive contact with few people. Uh, particularly the people that they're related to, the people that they share homes with. Uh, so there are more opportunities. People always, if you have, if you have more than one person, there are going to be collisions. There, there are going to be discrepancies between what one person wants, the other person wants, what one person thinks, the other person thinks. There are going to be collisions, and some of them get really ugly. Um, and especially when there's no way to dilute the tension by uh, having contact with outside people, other people, um, the conflict can, can go further uh, and boil over and get, and get really bad. So there's, there's been lots of opportunity for, for more tension, more anxiety, more depression, um, and all kinds of problems like that. But, it's, but it hasn't been all bad. I think there are, there are also, as I mentioned, some good things that people have had a chance to examine their values and their priorities. And they've They've made some changes. They've had some surprising discoveries, I think, about what really matters and what doesn't. Um, and, and I think that that will help people get on a better, on a better path. To, that's not to minimize the fact that there, there also has been some damage done. Some of it, some of it will last. Um, some of it will pass, fortunately. But, but I think there are also some positive things that came out of the, the general disruption in the, way, in the way people were living. Yeah, completely, completely agree. There's, uh, there's still, you know, silver linings, isn't there? In in most situations, there's um, always a silver lining. Def- definitely, and, yeah. and always something you can learn, isn't there? From uh, absolutely, situation. you know, absolutely. Have, with my health issues of late, I, mean, I think I've gone. The fact I've been through what I've been through, uh, I'm now able to help people even more, and I'm, I'm appreciating and having my energy back so much more. Um, but there's definite, definite gifts. Um, definitely, definitely. No, that doesn't we, mean that doesn't mean we should go out and look for hardship. No, <laughs> but, when, but when we have it, when we have it, it really, it really is a, um, a a wonderful skill to be able to actively look for and find the silver lining, even if it even if it's very small, uh, and to embrace it and make it as big as possible and make it as useful as possible. Can't do anything to erase the hardship, but you but you can find the silver cloud and and expand it and uh, make it a positive thing in your life. Uh, yeah, I really, I really like that, Steve. I think that is you make, making that a habit when, when you do go through. Life is about dodging obstacles, really. There's always going to be obstacles uh, getting in our way, isn't it? And, uh, right. and there'll be things that uh, you know, maybe impact us adversely. Uh, but that attitude of going through life and, and looking for the, the gifts in everything and, and knowing those challenges will come up, but, but navigating them well. Uh, is, right. uh, is really important and you can spire, to ensure you keep on spiraling up rather than spiral down. Um, I'm just in, you know, we, we wrote our book, it was published in 2015, Empower to mm-hmm. Get Done, whether you feel like it or not. 
And why was why do you think it, it why was it needed then? And in light of the current world situation, let's be honest, is it still relevant today? Absolutely. It's it's always been. It was relevant before, it was relevant at the time, and it continues to be relevant. There, there is no skill in life that's more important than the ability to actually do what you intend to do. When, when, you, when you adopt an intention, when you decide you're going to make a change in your life, whether it's a big change or a little change or a change that's somewhere between big and little, it, it, it doesn't matter. The, but the ability to turn it into actual action is, is what matters. And um, we're not very good at that. Our, we humans are not very good at that. Now, of course, there are people that are good at it, but the, I would describe them as being sort of motivational acrobats. They're, they're people who are not like the rest of us. They're people who decide that they should do something and they are just driven directly to do it, they do it. Uh, but but they are, they're like um, not only acrobats, but even more specifically contortionists. They're like people who can, you know, grab their foot and wrap it behind their head. Um, and they can give us instructions on how to do that. They can say, just grab your foot and pull it behind your head. But we're not going to be able to do that. We're not wired that way. These are people that are exceptional. And unfortunately, these are people who are so successful that they're often the ones that teach the rest of us how to make good on our good intentions. And it isn't going to work for us. We can follow their instructions, but it isn't going to work for us because we're not wired the same way. And frankly, there's something in quotes wrong with them and not with us. Um, the majority of people are not wired to just automatically do the things that they know they should do. They're just not. If you actually look at the way the mind is designed, which I've spent my entire career doing, uh, the, the mind has, has no mechanism that guarantees that just because you decide you should do something, that it's going to make your life better in some way, again, a little way or a big way or some way in between, that you're actually going to do it. it you're not forced to do it. I, I can decide a gazillion different things that I'm going to do that I know will improve my life. And I know that these are things that I'm, I'm physically and mentally capable of doing. And still there's a good chance that I won't actually do them because it does, it doesn't work automatically. The, the analogy that's always worked best for me in describing this is that we sort of think that acting on our good intentions is like driving a car that has an automatic transmission. All you have to do is start the engine, step on the gas pedal, and off you go. Well, in fact, to, to actually follow through on our good intentions, to actually do what we intend to do, requires a manual process. We have to actually make ourselves feel. And when I say feel, I mean feel in your gut, actually feel in your being, not just think it's a good idea, but actually feel like you must, like it's absolutely necessary to do what you've intended to do. Yeah. Unless you have that feeling of necessity, frankly, the way we're designed or misdesigned in a sense, there's a good chance that you won't do it. And people end up, they trash themselves uh, unnecessarily and unfairly for failing to do the things they intend to do when in fact, it's not exactly their fault. It's not a, it's, it's not an individual personal failing, so to speak. It is actually 
a failing of the way our, our brains, our minds are designed. Mother Nature had a great idea when, uh, when she designed human beings. And, and that idea was, to, was, was to, to make this particular species a showcase for intelligence that we would actually figure out what we should do to make our to survive first of all and and then to make our lives better in all kinds of ways that we would use our intelligence we would get uh tap into the intelligence of others who have had experience and know more than we do and and together we would have we we would have a clear picture of what we should do that was a fantastic idea however mother nature neglected to disconnect the more primitive uh, guidance system, I call it, that we share with other uh, creatures on this on this planet, and and that system causes us to basically do what we feel like doing. So, what it means to be a human being is to use your intelligence to figure out what you should do, but then often behave in ways that are dictated primarily by what you feel like doing. Hmm. Hence, hence the subtitle. Chris, of the book that we wrote in 2015, whether you feel like it or not, because often what you intend to do is not the same as what you feel like doing. And more often, what you feel like doing is what you end up doing. So in order to do what you intend to do, you have to essentially trick yourself into feeling like doing that very same thing. Yeah. And and let me give you an example. I, I, I love this, this particular example. This is a real example of someone who was trying to get himself into an exercise routine, like so many people try unsuccessfully. He tried everything. Um, and he joined a health club, and he thought that would do it. And that fizzled out. He didn't go very often and pretty soon stopped. So he thought maybe he could join a better health club. He joined another health club. That didn't work either. And finally, he came up with an idea. Here's what he did. He made a promise to himself, one simple promise. And the promise was that from now on, he would own only one stick of underarm deodorant. And number two, that he would keep that stick of underarm deodorant in his locker at the health club, at the gym. Now, why does that make sense? That sounds ridiculous, right? But what happened was that he would get up in the morning, as, as he had been for many, many, many days, many, many weeks, in fact, and he'd, he'd say, oh, boy, I really should exercise. I really don't feel like exercising. Whereas he used to just stay in bed and not exercise. Now he thought, oh, I made this promise. The only way that I can get my deodorant is by going to the health club, going to my locker at the gym and using it. Otherwise, I'm going to stink all day. <laughs> and that is not acceptable to me. So because he didn't want to stink all day, he went to the gym. And once he got to the gym, people would say, hello, Joe, good to see you. And he would feel like a total idiot if he just used his, his uh, deodorant and went home. So he stayed and he exercised and he got into a routine. So what he discovered was that it was, it was impossible for him to do the right thing for the right reason. The right reason was to be healthy. The right reason was to be trim, to look trim, to look fit. He had all the right reasons. They didn't get him to the gym to exercise every day. 
So he found, a, in quotes, a wrong reason that would nevertheless compellingly motivate him to do the right thing. So he did the right thing for the wrong reason because doing the right thing for the right reason didn't work. Mm. And, and that is essentially, it, you know, in this perhaps silly example, um, that is essentially what it means to manually turn your intentions into action. You have to take the step of creating a, a mechanism, creating circumstances, creating situations that, that make you feel like you must do the thing you intend to do. Does that make sense, Chris? It does, absolutely. And I mean, there's a, you know, what I'm seeing in here is an important formula, which is that our thoughts plus our feelings determine our actions, which will determine our results. And if we have quality thoughts and intentions, um, subconsciously, we might not be able to associate that with the, the, the positive feeling needing to, needed to turn into action. So what we do is we create situations that uh, create the feelings that we must act, whether we feel like it or not, which then determines as acting, which gives us a result. Um, exactly. So we're, exactly. We're, actually, we're actually overriding that subconscious desire to, to instead to instead do things we'd rather do <laughs> see, see now if mother if mother nature had finished her work with this brilliant experiment of of making intelligence the king um here's what she would have done she would have said okay so people can use their intelligence to figure out what they should do to make their lives better in 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 any way and then that decision that intention should automatically control their behavior. Yeah. That's the way it should have worked. But instead, the primitive guidance system, the feeling-based guidance system that causes all kinds of creatures to do what they feel like doing, that's still in place. So that's, that's what ends up determining our behavior much of the time. It's not, it's not the intelligent decisions we make, it's what we feel. So we just have to somehow take that seriously and then work with it work work around it so to speak tap in to the primitive system to make us feel like doing the same thing we decide we should do, so, do you that's think, what i mean by manual that's what you, i mean by making it manual we have to go to commercial break and in, in, uh, in, in two or three minutes but could I, I one thing that's just got me thinking there is uh, if the system if we had been designed in such a way that we had an, an intention, had a, um, you know, an idea came to us and we automatically followed that idea or that intention through and it happened and a result happened, couldn't, couldn't we end up with um, the world being com in complete and utter chaos because uh, every thought that went through our mind that we followed through um, might be one where we've, been, we've drunk copious amounts of alcohol or we've got fed up with a neighbour or something. Could, it could have could end up in all sorts of catastrophes couldn't it if it was automatic well let me let me answer that by posing a another question and that's how chaotic do you think the world is as a result of people not acting in accord with their good intentions i think the world is i think it is it is chaotic but i just um i just wonder now whether you know, you, you need to have that um, ability to really think through your intention well, and it be a quality intention, don't you? Oh, absolutely. Um, and then, then, absolutely. then actually, the, the follow through uh, and creating, turning it into an action and result would be a great thing. 
Um, uh, but if, if any you, know, you had, you could I, you automatically turned it into a result. I think we could end up with even more chaos. <laughs> I, and I, you know, I can say a lot more about this later on if you'd like. But I, I do think that one of the things that uh, that is extremely important and often often overlooked by people is that they don't take their intentions seriously enough. Yeah, they're, they're, it's very easy to to develop an intention. It's very easy to read a book or hear a speaker or get an idea uh, while you're taking a shower or, and, and think, yeah, I'm going to do that. And that's, that's a bad thing to do because an intention, in, in my opinion, should be treated like a solemn promise. So it should be, it should be something as serious as deciding whether to, whether to marry um, a person or to buy a new home or make some kind of major commitment. It should be taken very, very seriously and you should be prepared to actually follow through on it. Um, and I think one of the problems that we have, and it's partly because of the way where the mind is terribly designed, is that, is that we, we just adopt intentions very, very easily. We use too low a threshold and we say, if it's a good idea, yeah, we'll do it. And that, and that leads to poor, to poor follow through. It leads to adopting making promises to ourselves that we don't keep and that's a very destructive force that makes all our future promises less effective excellent well, on that note we're going to go to commercial break and after the commercial break we'll we'll look at this in and the steps maybe to help you to you know, master and get good at getting things done and we'll also explore what why it is that uh, everybody isn't taught to do this i mean that's it intrigues me as to why this is so fundamentally important um but many people don't even realize it's a process so we're back again with you in just a, a couple of minutes do join us after the break when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Dr. Stephen Levinson. We're talking about we're really building your power to get things done in 2022 and beyond. And I think before the break, you know, Steve really articulated well the importance of realizing that uh, getting things done is a manual p- process if you want to become really effective at it, because only a tiny percentage of people um, have the develop their subconscious such that it is automatic for them. Um, so I think that's a key message is to learn how to do that. And, uh, and then you follow through with your good intentions that are really well thought through. Now, now uh, Steve, just do you want to just um, define what an intention is? Because people might be confused. Is an intention a goal? Is it, is it all those things that are on your to-do list? What, what is it? Well, an intention in, in very simple terms is a decision. It's a decision to take, to take action, to do something that you're not already doing, to do something different, better, uh, to stop doing something that you have been doing. It's, it's a decision that clearly implies that action will follow it. I see. I see. Um, and does it make sense to, you talk about getting serious about your intentions, to, to maybe identify those intentions that will make a, the biggest difference to your your, your present situation and your future well, situation? Here, here's where people get off the track right away when it comes to being effective in implementing their intentions. They, they are too careless in adopting intentions in the first place. Uh, the biggest problem that, that, that people make that causes their intentions to be weak and ineffective is they adopt too many of them. Yeah. Um, they, they believe, they believe, and this is, we've all been trained to do this and we're never, we're never taught not to do it, that if you have a good idea of something that you can do that's gonna make things better in some way, then, well, why wouldn't you do it? Why wouldn't you just adopt the idea? Yeah, I'll do that, uh, starting tomorrow. I'll do that instead of doing this. But if you don't clearly and thoroughly think it through and, and ask yourself, okay, Am I really going to do this? Is this a is this a promise that's truly worth making? What is it? What's it going to cost me to do it? What kind of effort is it going to require? What am I going to have to give up? What am I going to have to um, put forth in terms of effort, expense, or anything else to actually make this happen? There are a lot of intentions that wouldn't wouldn't pass those tests and would never be adopted. And if you if you examine an intention, if you hold it up to the light and it doesn't pass those tests, you shouldn't adopt it. Because if you do adopt it, you're not gonna follow through on it. And if you don't follow through on it, you have two problems. Number one, you haven't, you haven't made, made that intention happen. But number two, you weaken all of the rest of your intentions. It's just like if you, Chris, if, if, if I made a promise to you that I'm going to do something by tomorrow at 2 p.m. and I didn't do it, the next time I make a promise that I'm going to do something by Thursday at 4 p.m., you're going to have less confidence that I'm going to actually behave in accord with, with my promise. Yeah. And the same thing happens internally. 
An intention is basically a promise that we make to ourselves. I promise that from now on, I'm going to do X, Y, Z. And if we don't do it, then all of our future promises become weaker. They have less credibility. They have less clout. They're less likely to be effective. And for many of us, we, cre we create unknowingly like a vicious spiral where we adopt more and more intentions somewhat carelessly without testing them before adopting them. And we don't follow through on them because they shouldn't have been adopted in the first place. And then we adopt more of them to take the place of the ones that didn't work and they don't work either. And pretty, pretty soon we're just, we're just not accomplishing all that much. And do you think, I mean, when we, we, we hoped when we wrote this book that, uh, you know, that the, the world would really get behind this. We, 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 you and I think this is so important, don't we? Uh, and, and so fundamental to life, but yet it's not something that's taught in schools. It's not something that uh, people, many people, or most people have even considered. Uh, and, uh, you know, why, why do you think people, you know, don't adopt this, you know, globally, really, um, and get really serious about it? Is it because actually thinking deeply is hard work? Well, Chris, I, I have a complicated answer to the question. First of all, I have to say, I don't know. I'm puzzled. I don't, I don't understand it. I don't see that there's anything more important in terms of a, of a skill in life, in business, in relationships, in everything, than to be able to decide what to do and then actually do it. So I, I'm just baffled by the world the world's failure to embrace this as a terribly, terribly important thing. If it was up to me, we would be teaching this in school. Even very young children uh, should be taught, in my opinion, how to form intentions carefully, how to test them, how to hold them up to the, the light and, and determine whether they're worthwhile actually adopting. And, and if so, what, what do they have to do manually to make sure that they actually behave in accord with their intentions. To me, that's what we should be doing. We should be doing it with young children, but at the very least, if we've missed that opportunity, it, I'm totally baffled by why we're not doing it. For example, with people who are in business, uh, perhaps running their own business, uh, you know, perhaps it's a small business, someone uh, like a graphic designer, for example, who works from his or her home uh, and has to, has to uh, bill clients and uh, give quotes and do all kinds of things. There are a lot of things that that person has to do that are that don't they they don't feel like doing those things, but they have to do it. And doing them is is contributes as much to their success or can cause as much of their failure as a failure of the basic talent or skill that they have. And yet, they still don't they don't learn. They're not taught how to do the things they don't feel like doing that they still have to do. It, it's amazing to me. And I, I, if, if, I, if I die with one major disappointment about life, it, it's going to be the failure to somehow convince the world to embrace this, the problem of poor follow through. Uh, and, and, and to look at its solutions, because it's, an, it's a relatively easy problem to solve. All you have to know is that your, your car has a manual transmission and not an automatic one, and all you have to do is learn how to shift. 
And it's not that hard, but somehow we, we just don't know it because people believe in what I refer to as the follow through fairy tale. They believe that if, if they have a good intention and it's a good idea and it's going to help them, that they'll just, that's, that's enough. That's enough motivation to get it done. Well, it's not. It's like, it's, it's like uh, putting fuel in a rocket. You can have enough fuel to take off, but not enough to get to where it's, it's going. And much of the motivation that we feel when we, th we think we have enough motivation to get there, it's enough to get us started. It's enough to make the promise, but it's not enough for us to keep the promise. Yeah. That's the problem. And you think about, you know, we're not just talking about business here. This could be about being you know, the best, best husband or best wife or the best father you can be, um, being um, somebody who's got, a, you know, great, great health. Um, it can be, uh, you know, be, you know, help you in terms of stopping some of the, the, the bad habits that you've got into in life that are dis disruptive as well as maybe you know your financial situation in life and giving that attention and and focus so there is actually the means here there's the methodology here actually to get clear in the important areas of your life what the your key intention should be and then to utilize this this system to then follow through in accordance so you know we we, we here you can i'm sure we this would avoid wrecked marriages it would would avoid all sorts of problems and issues if people embraced it and, and took it really seriously. Exactly. I mean, so many of the problems that we experience in, in every aspect of our lives is, is caused by the failure to act in accord with our own intelligent guidance. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we know we're very good at knowing what to do, figuring out what to do. And we're very good at getting advice from others if we can't figure it out about what we should do. But we're very bad at actually doing it. Mm -hmm. And partly we're bad at doing it because we believe in this follow-through fairy tale. We believe that if we, if we know what we should do, we will automatically do it. Well, we won't automatically do it. You have to, you, you, you have to shift. You have to learn how to shift. And shifting means making it feel like it's necessary to do what you've intelligently figured out you should do. Yeah. Yes. St I mean, I remember you, you uh, Steve, you came from a, a kind of clinical psychology background and, and for you, the book, part, part of the origins of it, I know you then moved into more of a, a kind of business sort of realm and habit change work, uh, realm, but, but it came out of frustration for you, didn't it? That's uh, so many of your patients you were seeing would would uh, you know agree with your route forward, say they were going to do it, and then they didn't. You know, might Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So you you and, saw and, this time and time over again, and the damage it was causing. Yes, and I worked with you know many uh, uh, medical doctors, physicians, who were just terribly frustrated because they felt that they they told their patients exactly what their patients should do to to get well, to recover from an illness or an injury, or to stay healthy or to get healthier. And their patients seemed to listen, seemed to agree, seemed to feel uh, entirely motivated and serious about doing exactly what they should do to get, to get better. And then they didn't do it. Yeah. And physicians didn't, they didn't understand it. It didn't make any sense to them. Why, why wouldn't I gave someone the best possible advice 
I, I can tell them exactly what they need to do to get well, and they don't do it. And and I must have been wrong. I thought they were motivated, but apparently they weren't. Well, they were well motivated. They were motivated enough to make the promise, but that kind of motivation doesn't is isn't enough to get them to keep the promise. And what I discovered, of course, is that when physicians got sick, <laughs> they weren't any better. They no. complained about their patients all the time, but they weren't any better at following their own advice or the advice of other physicians as, as their patients were. Because it's a, human, it's a human problem. The human problem is that our intelligence is not directly connected to our behavior. Mm. Our feelings are directly connected to our behavior but our intelligence isn't. And in order to jump that, to, to, to jump that gap, you need, you need to, again, do what I describe as manual following through, which is, which is to make yourself feel like it's necessary to do it. And, and, and you, you impact your own brand, don't you? The way that people perceive you, you mentioned that if you don't do something on time and you, you, you keep delaying and procrastinating, other people will, will see that because we, as human beings, we judge ourselves on our intentions, uh, but everybody else will judge us on our behavior. Exactly. And, and, and I was thinking back to my, my wife is a physician, and it's, it's, I'll probably share this story because it was many years ago, but uh, she talked to me about a patient who came to her and with, uh, with, a, with a weight issue and just said, look, I'm so frustrated. I, I manage my diet really carefully. Um, I, you know, I eat salads and things like that. I'm not so overeating, but I'm overweight there must be a more significant problem. And, uh, and then 15 minutes later, my wife decided to, it was lunchtime, my wife nipped out to a bakery to get some lunch. And the, the lady was in there absolutely armed um, <laughs> with, with boxes of cream cakes. Uh, and, she, and, and, and almost dropped them in shock when, we, we lie to ourselves, don't we? <laughs> yeah, yes, but you, but you know, I mean, I think this is really important. It isn't exactly our fault. No, it's not. We shouldn't blame there ourselves. Is, there, is a, there is a flaw in the, way, in the way the human system is designed that accounts for that. There's, there's a reason why this woman could make the decision and honestly and sincerely commit to you know, staying away from certain foods and then just minutes later gobble them up. There's a reason for that. And it's, it's not entirely her fault. And to call it weak willpower, is, it's, that's a common thing that we do. We say that about other people, and we say that about ourselves, too. But it's not, it's not really the case. Yeah. It's not really the case. What we need to do, um, and willpower is, is an interesting topic because it, uh, you know, it's, it, willpower, I, I guess you could define it very simply, is the ability to do things that you should do when you don't feel like doing them or the ability to not do things that you shouldn't do when you do feel like doing them. Um, we, we think about willpower as a, almost like analogous to physical, being analogous to physical strength, that you have it or you don't have it. It's a property, but it isn't really a property. What, what matters more than willpower per se, as we defined it, is, is uh, smart power, the ability to, to understand that you're going to be driven largely by what you feel, not just by what you decide, yeah. and, and, to, and to adjust accordingly. So to just to, let me give you a preposterous example. If, if this woman that you, just, that you just talked about, that your wife 
that your wife was so frustrated with, um, if if there was a, a particular uh, food that she was very drawn to, let's say a, a cookies, um, if she had a pile of cookies right in front of her, it would take an enormous amount of willpower to keep from eating them. But if, if she took those same cookies and put them in a bank vault in uh, outer Mongolia somewhere, guarded by many guards with high-powered rifles and explosives, she'd have enough willpower to not eat those cookies. Now, I, obviously, that's a preposterous example. But the idea is that if, if, you, if you use your intelligence to actually see to it that you can't do something that you shouldn't do, then you have all the willpower you need. Yeah. Whereas if you, if you put something right in front of you, you require an enormous amount of willpower, which is probably not going to be enough to do the job. Mm. So you have to kind of be an engineer in your, in your own life to do a good job of acting in accord with your intelligent decisions, your good intentions. Yeah. You have, you have to see to it that you're, that you're not exposed, you're not exposed to opportunities to do the wrong thing. And you are exposed to things that encourage you to do the right thing. Yeah. I should say, no, we've just got probably five minutes, Steve. So I need to wrap up the interview, okay. believe it or not. It's sure. time like, like mad. So we should, I should sort of say that, you know, in the, in the books kind of populated with, with strategies, um, but what you, you find in there and, and, and through talking to people through, you know, Steve's, um, experiences through mine with um, show guests where lovely examples came up. We found people that had all sorts of different strategies to make them act, whether they felt like it or not. Um, whether it was, um, in the, I remember a, a, um, a guy who had the ultramarathon world record talking about how he hung himself by his tongue. He told that many people he was going to do 66 ultramarathons in 66 days in 66 consecutive cities. Um, that he had no choice but to do it. It would have been so embarrassing if he hadn't. Um, so the book is full of those. And in business, where we can do things like, uh, you, know, you know, if we've got a project, we can set up uh, key meetings and presentations so that we have to act and we have to move the project along. So the book's kind of populated with those different examples and uh, you can create, create your own as well. Now, I want to ask you, Steve, in the next, just in the next sort of couple of minutes before we sort of wrap up, was there anything, thinking about the book, was there anything that you would write differently if you were to rewrite it again or you were to add something else in it? What would, what would that well, be? That's a great question, Chris. You know, unlike many things that if I had a chance to do them over, I would, I would do things differently. I, I have absolute, the, the more time that goes on, the more experience that I have, the more hopefully wisdom that I acquire, the more confident I am in the basic principles that we put forth in that book. Um, the, the one thing that I, I think I would emphasize more if, if we were to rewrite the book today is that people, people need to look at the, the intentions that they have in their, in their vault, the intentions that they adopt and, um, and the intentions that they're actually acting on. And that if, if the ratio is way out of whack, in other words, if you have a lot more things that you intend to do than you're actually doing, then you've got a problem. And I think it contributes to a sense of unwellness and a sense of general inefficiency. And, and it means that there are two things you can do. 
one one you can do is you can do learn how to do a better job of acting on your intentions but the other thing is to do a better job of of not adopting them in the first place and i think i think that some people over adopt intentions they not only adopt them carelessly they adopt too many of them they're they're too quick to say oh yes that's a great idea i'll do that and i'll do this too and this also oh and this is also a good idea i'll do that also that's a big mistake because every time you adopt an intention that you're not following through on it's like it's like hauling a large load behind you it 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 saps you of energy and efficiency and self-esteem it's just a bad thing so to to me as a psychologist i think one of the keys to to feeling well emotionally is is to have a good balance between the intentions you adopt and the intentions you're actually acting upon one of the things you just got me thinking about too is that if you don't set your own intentions and you aren't clear about those in, about those intentions what you can naturally find is that you end up um following through on everybody else's attention intentions <laughs> that's right <laughs> so you actually yes. end up being a bit of a sheep really rather than being in control of your own life and your own destiny other people become in, in control of your own life and your own destiny and um, Steve, right. we've only got a, a, about a minute or two. Any final messages you'd like to leave us with? Or any final message? Well, I, you know, I, a final message, if I, if I have to choose one, it would be take your intentions seriously. Yeah. Consider them to be promises, solemn promises that you make to yourself and evaluate them accordingly. If it's not a promise that you're prepared to keep, that you know how to keep, and that you're, you're prepared in the sense that you know how much it's going to cost you in terms of effort and so on to keep it, don't bother. Don't keep it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're a popular sorry. man today, Steve. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, I think, yes, and I, I kind of add, add to that as well, is that uh, when you're clear, develop, think about your strategies to hold yourself to account in the situations you're going to create that mean that you're going to follow through with those intentions yes. and, yes. and move, move them forward. And that's the next kind of step. And, so, and one last thing I would say is that if you're not very good at acting on your intentions, A, it's not your fault, which is good news, but B, you better learn how to do it. Absolutely. And you can. you can. There are ways to do it. And we're going to stop there, Steve. Um, if you want to find out more, you can buy The Power to Get Things Done, whether you feel like it or not, from you know, booksellers such as Amazon. Um, it's, uh, it's available there, and the route map and everything is within the book. Lots of questions to ask yourself. Next week's show, Libby Wagner, we're gonna, The Grandest Adventure, Adopting the New Business World. This is going to be a great interview. I love Libby. Uh, she's uh, a poet, a business expert. She took time out and went on a grand adventure to rethink about her own beliefs around the, the world today and business today and things like homeworking, et cetera. And um, because we need to think differently uh, um, to really move forward well in this current post-pandemic world. So it'll be really interesting. We'll hear about her tour and we'll hear about the lessons and learnings and things that could help you move forward. Once again, huge thank you to Steve Levinson. Loved, loved talking to you, Steve. Let's not leave Same it. Same here, Chris. Time. And uh, any questions, comments, chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Love to hear from you. Um, Steve, it's been brilliant. Thank you. Thank you, Chris.
From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? We thank you for listening to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. 